This is the FM Gold Channel of All India Radio. In the program news analysis, now we bring you a discussion on the 122nd birth anniversary of Netaji Subhash Chandra Bose. The participants are Professor Subrata Mukherjee, political analyst, and K V Prasad, journalist. Prime Minister Narendra Modi today inaugurated the Subhash Chandra Bose Museum at Redford. The visit, of course, is very important. and so is the museum because today is netaji's birth anniversary and the government decided to dedicate the museum in his honor to the nation on this day professor mukherjee everybody fondly recalls netaji and his contribution in the fight for india's independence first and foremost we like to understand the significance of this museum especially in redford because that's where the ina prisoners underwent the trial if one may say so and everything that's associated with the indian freedom struggle and ina has a very strong mooring in that place is that a correct assessment i think you know prashad that the museum is a good initiative because subhas in a way is a unique character in the nationalist movement his entire span if you read a look to the president was only 16 years and within that he galvanized the nation and his checkered career had many differences with gandhi but also ultimately he becomes the congress president with uh, gandhi's initiative but again they disagree on the second term and then he flees the country and that is also meticulously planned if i may add is a very interesting story in a way that hoeni decided to really leave the country he planned it meticulously first you know he was interned in the house and because he was not keeping very well but then it is shishir kumar bose the nephew who drove him to gomo gomo is bihar and the reason for this was that shubhash was well known in bengal he thought he would be relatively unknown in uh, bihar so the chances of he is being caught will be much less second thing what he did was that he really dressed up as a defendant of afghan and carried a lot of money and the reason for this is that if he is caught first he would like to bribe and escape second he carried a gun because if it is a shootout then he will fight and fight till the last and then of course rest is history and well known now if you are coming to the period of the ina again ina has a checkered history once the war started it became a world war in the real sense the first world war was quite limited in a way and it did not engulf the entire world but the second world did and that time rajbihari bose if you may remember and mohan singh really thought of a ina and began it with the prisoner force that the japanese captured when it united moved towards the southeast asia and east asia and then they tried to build it up but it fizzled it out because they did not have the organizing capacity and then in 1943 what we find is that when shubhash bose reaches singapore from berlin and that's the beginning of the short lived but checkered history and that's what the museum i think will project it's a good initiative it will build a new sense of history and also the important fact that shubhash stood for sacrifice and in this nation there is a spirit of sacrifice but i think the museum will reinforce it yeah, the prime minister today said that i bow to netaji subhash chandra bose on his jayanti 
He was a stalwart who committed himself towards ensuring India is free and leads a life of dignity. We are committed to fulfilling his ideals and creating a strong India. That's what the Prime Minister said. And the fact that the museum, which is all four that have been named as Kranti Mandir or Revolution Mandir, if one may, Revolution Temples, they have history that is on the walls, uh, which have been. And it's, uh, they say it's like the Brave Sons of India, Colonel Prem Segal, Colonel Gurbak Singh Dailo, and Major General Shahnawaz Khan, who obviously were put to trial by the colonial rulers. And there's something associated with that place itself. Well, Prasad, if you really look to the trial, the Britishers never expected the massive support that they would generate. They were taken aback. And if you really look to the history, the broadcasts of Shubhash really did not reach the entire nation, since the technology was also rudimentary, and the colonial administration was quite successful in jamming bulk of it. But then once the story came out, and the sacrifice because if you really look to the way they came up to Imphal, is a saga of great uh, courage and sacrifice. The jungles they really crossed and the suffering they had because of the monsoon forest. And it is virtually inhuman circumstances they tried to overcome and all in the name of freedom. So in a way that uh, the Indian history really transformed within a few months. You remember that Gautam Chattopadhyaya you know, really termed the phase as almost revolution. And if you really link to two things at that time, one is the trial of the three stalwarts that you mentioned, and the Teg Bahadur Sapru and Jawaharlal Nehru, they really became their lawyers, and then it became a national trial. But then subsequently, you see the INA ratings, the revolt in the Navy really shook the empire. Because they realized for the first time that the repressive apparatus that they had is no more under their control. So in a way, as it is mentioned, that Shubhash is the co-architect of India's freedom and I think is very appropriate. But we have also to learn a lot of lessons the way INA was organized. For instance, first the Rani Jhansi Brigade. You know about it and the gender equality. Women were given the most important positions. Second was communal harmony. The food was cooked in the same kitchen and there was total understanding between the different segments. And also the nationalist upsurge was demonstrated by the fact that the brigades were named as Nehru Brigade and Azad Brigade and also a very important fact that happened during Shubhash's leadership was the relative autonomy that he tried to build of the INA. Azad Infos, as he used to call it, and that is, he tried to be economically sufficient as much as possible, collecting money from the business community of the Southeast Asia and East Asia. There are a substantial number of Indians, and also the people who were settled, the overseas Indians, you know, mainly Malaysia, Singapore, and that way, what it proved is that he took the help of the Japanese, but he never forgot that ultimately, and if it does not have a autonomy of its own, it the desired result may not be really risked. In this context, Prashad, I would like to make a comparison between Gandhi's stay in South Africa and Shubhash's in Singapore. 
And the parallel is, if you really look to, that Gandhi restricted himself to the Indian community and the Indian problem. Similarly, I think uh, the calculation of Shubhash, that it is an international civil war that is taking place, and I will take maximum advantage of it from the Axis powers and make India free. Sir, in fact, what you said also reminds that history tells us, and very the clarion call given by Netaji Subhash Bose, give me blood, I'll give you independence. And I think that was something which galvanized a lot of people and probably added to the strength and sinew of the INA. You see, remember Bahadur Shah, he said, Delhi do rust. From that till Shubhash came up, the slogan was Delhi Chalu. And that is the capture of the power and transfer of power in a way. So he symbolized that spirit, that we have to build it. But here again I like to point out that he looked it as a supplementary struggle. The nationalist struggle he never forgot. Because again here from Singapore he called Gandhi father of the nation for the first time. So what actually he was trying to do is that in an extremely difficult situation he was convinced that uh, there will be no peaceful transfer of power and the British colonial power will always play a number of tricks. So what he was trying to do is to provide two kinds of struggle, a supplementary nature, one that was going on in India under Gandhi's leadership and from outside he tried to build up a formidable force and he thought that this would compel the British to quit. So ultimately the desire was liberation and he took the advantage of the war situation and tried to create a new India and that's how he becomes a part of the Asian Renaissance. That's what Gordon calls him because if you really look to the history of Asia at that time, the entire leadership of that time came out of this turmoil and Shubhash is one of them. Today, the president played floral tributes at uh, in Rashtrapati Bhavan in the Parliament House complex, and of course, Prime Minister inaugurated this museum. Along with that, there were three other museums because this Kranti Mandir, as it was christened, this complex includes four: the museums on Netaji Subhash Chandra Bose and the Indian National Army. The second one is Yade Jalia, which is a museum on the Jallianwala Bagh and the World War One. The third is a museum on 1857 India's first war of independence, and Drishikala Museum on Indian art spanning three centuries with over 450 works of art. And he said to see Prime Minister mention after he visited that museum on Drishikala, to see Gurudev Tagore's works at Drishikala is a treat for art lovers. We all know Gurudev Tagore as a prolific writer but he also had a strong link with the world of art. He produced lots of works featuring multiple themes. Gurudev works were also exhibited internationally. This is what he said in a tweet. Now this is important because along with it is works of Raja Ravi Varma, Amrita Shergill, Arbinda Tagore, Nandalal Bose, Gagendana Tagore, Sailoj Mukherjee and Jamini Roy which are a display. So this the rich tapestry of Indian art is also at display. Yes, you see, the modern Indian art is very rich in its content and a very important component, the names you narrate, is the Bengal School of Art, that's what it is called. But I like to add a relatively less known fact that this cultural heritage of India, Shubhash carried to Europe. And he was the first uh, important Indian politician who tried to tell the Britishers about the rich cultural heritage that India has. And in that context, I think there is a larger linkage between the different segments that you are talking about. And taking the name of Tagore is very appropriate because the Indian cultural renaissance in a way is manifested and culminates with Tagore. 
In fact, there's a news report in one of the newspapers today which says that uh, four members of Indian National Army who are non-Nigerians in their way are being planned to be part of the Republic Parades. So which is, I think, a tribute because never before has somebody remembers uh, getting these people on the parade. It's very good because they deserve it. They fought for the country and created a new climate of freedom. And in that way, if we are honoring them, you see, the phrase is appropriate, better late than never. Sir, if you were to look at the overall, because Indian National Army carved a place for itself, Nitaji Subhash still continues to reign hearts of Indian and triggers imagination, his very thought. This happened at a time when Mahatma Gandhi was leading a non-violent struggle, and here was a different model. And as you said, there was supplementary to it. In his overall context of India's freedom struggle, how do you place it? Well, if I may remind you, Prashad, that the non-violence of Gandhi, even Gandhi acknowledged the limitations and in the Quit India movement, he was silent about the non-violent part. So virtually he came to the same conclusion because ultimately you see the non-violent method that Gandhi really employed in the context of India was a realistic appraisal of the situation and he stuck to it both as a means and ends but ultimately when he could see that the important changes are to be taken up, then the Quit India movement comes and there he gives a clarion call for freedom at any cost. So there is a larger convergence between Shubhash and Gandhi and in that sense they can look to as complementary reinforcing each other and leading India towards freedom. So if you look at the Prime Minister Modi, the last few years they have done a lot more to bring into public realm the contribution of Netaji Subhashchand Rose, including demands for declassification of some of the documents which were handed over to the National Archives and also several other aspects. So for future students of history, I think this is a very, very significant step and also the fact that INA and its contribution in India's freedom struggle is a chapter that needs to be gone into with greater depth and detail. I think what you are saying is correct. Both the Bengal government and the central government are moving in the proper direction and this will facilitate writing a comprehensive history of India and putting the important figures in a proper historical perspective and that will really help us in building a new sense of history as we understand the freedom movement. And as it was noted, the fact that Prime Minister dedicated the museum to the nation today, just ahead of Republic Day, it is hoped that the Kranti Mandir, which is a tribute to the revolutionary zeal and courage of the India's freedom fighters, will deeply connect between the India's history and the youth, add to their patriotic favor. It is absolutely correct what you say. It was a long felt need and good it has come up. And I can only say Jai Hind. Thank you, sir. You were listening to a discussion on the 122nd birth anniversary of Nitaji Subhash Chandra Bose. The participants were Professor Subrata Mukherjee, political analyst, and K.V. Prasad, journalist. This program was produced and presented by the News Services Division of All India Radio. This program is also available on our website, newsonair.nic.in. You may email your opinion about this program at airnsdtalks at gmail.com. 